HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This week on Meet and 3, I'm about to go on maternity leave. This is Katie Mosman-Wadler, and before I leave you in the incredibly capable hands of Team HRN, we're rounding out Season 5 with a deep dive into the food rules, weird cravings, and overall hype about eating while pregnant. There are a lot of safe foods to eat, and we shouldn't be sort of assuming that just because something is raw that it's dangerous. I just found myself feeling like there was an alien piloting my body and brain and uh, totally changed the way that I ate. So was it the eggplant? Sure. Why not? I just don't know. Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and 3 anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll be back soon with our newest and tiniest producer in tow. This episode is brought to you by Fair Kitchens. Learn about the Fair Kitchens code and join the movement at fairkitchens.com. All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. Happy New Year, everyone. We are back, and this is the 238th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. So today, my guest is the Talented Director of Marketing for Cuisinart and Wearing, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a visionary. Don't wait for someone else to push the envelope and change the way we do things. Instead, be the one who does it themselves and creates the new. Think about the future with an open mind and always look at the big picture. Be focused, be present, and be positive, and don't be afraid to fail, knowing that it's part of the process. Our world needs smart leadership and strong visions, so let that be you and me. That's the tip today. 
Okay, so I'm really excited to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is Mary Rogers. She is the Director of Marketing Communications for Cuisinart and, Re- and Wearing, where she oversees all consumer communication touch points for the brand portfolio. With more than 20 years of experience in the housewares and tabletop industry, Mary has been with Cuisinart since 1996 and since then has significantly expanded the Marketing Communications Department while spearheading industry-first initiatives that have given the company even greater stature as an innovative leader. Mary is active in numerous community and industry associations, including the Association of Natural of National Advertisers, the James Beard Foundation, the International Housewares Association, and IECP, and among many accolades, she was recently inducted into Le Dame Discofier International, which I was like, that's awesome, because I'm in Le, D- Le Dame as a, the New York chapter, and so that was, I was like, that's amazing. Um, so welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, and I loved your opening piece, because I think that's great advice for anybody in business, not just in PR. Um, thank you. And I, I, I thought, yeah, I, I, I think over, over the years as I've been doing this show and coming up with my tips, you know, I call them my PR tip, but they're definitely, I, I touch into lifestyle tips and definitely tips for anyone. So I'm glad you, you agree with that and feel that way. Thank you. Um, so I like to start out with my show with my guests and find out how they got into what they're doing today so you want to you want to go back a little bit in your background when you're growing up and did you know what you want to do when when you after school actually it's um <clears throat> when I one of my first well my very first job was working at Bryke and Dairy Farm in the hospitality business and I started working when I was 14 and I um I really enjoyed that I did that for a few years but I really believed in my early days that I wanted to be a nurse And so I also, um, when I was in high school, worked in um, a nursing home. That's where I had my part-time job. And I did that through college. Um, When I first went to college, I did go for nursing. But um, I found that that really wasn't my calling. I'd always had um, an interest in, like, writing poetry and writing in general. And that was kind of, like, the basis for me eventually ending up in the communications field because that's my love of literature and, and other things in that area. So what led you to Cuisinart? Because you've, you've been with the company for a long time. Yes. <laughs> it's impressive. I'm always am, amazed with people who've been with companies for such a long time in such a good way that it's, you know, yeah. it says a lot. It's not very common. Um, the thing that I'll, I'll talk about what led me there and I'll talk about what's kept me there. Okay, perfect. So um, when I was um, first out of college, I ended up working in retail and retail housewares. And so that was kind of my entree into the field. And um, I, to be honest with you, in the, retail mar- in the retail marketplace at that point, you know, it's not, a, you have very fluctuating hours when you work in, um, in store management, you eventually end up in store management. And I had just gotten married and it was like, it was too hard. It was like opens and closes and things like that. And so I ended up moving on for that and going into publishing for a while. And then that's when I started in my marketing career. But it kind of came for full circle when I started working for Farberware in the um, early 90s. And that's how I got my entree into housewares very specifically in, on the marketing end of things. 
And yes, I've been with the company a very long time. Um, there's there are quite a few people who are, who are with the company a long time, but it's a um, very large privately held company, global. Um, the great thing about it, though, is that it has we work in divisions. So I work in the culinary division, and um, that includes Cuisinart and Waring. And basically, the thing is that we have a very entrepreneurial spirit. The company is because it's private. You are allowed a lot. I'm allowed a lot of levity and also freedom. And I lead my own team. And I work on really great projects. And I love inspiring my team. And that's what's kept me there. So how how many people are a part of your team now? And how did your role change over the years? My role has changed drastically. Well, I would assume <laughs> I would assume what you're doing today, you weren't doing 20 years ago. I would hope not, else I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> um, so when I first started, you know, um, marketing was very traditional. It was very, you know, print, radio, TV. And when I first came to work for the company, it was still kind of uh, a small, really a pretty relatively small company. And I had had it on my radar. Because when I had worked for Farberware, they were in the Bronx and the company had gotten sold and they pretty much um, had let everyone go. And I had Cuisinart on my radar as, a, as an up-and-coming brand that I wanted to work for. And I happened to send them my resume and they had been looking for um, somebody in marketing communications for quite a long time, but they just hadn't found the right person. And so when I interviewed for the job, I was literally the only candidate. <laughs> oh, wow. But I mean, I also had the qualifications, mm-hmm. obviously, that they were looking for. So, um, you know, it was in the early days, they had re- really no experience in communications and marketing to consumers in that way. And so I really helped them build it from the ground up. How big was the company about when you joined? Like 82 million. Then? Sales, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, oh, which but, is rather okay. small. Okay. And and, and now it's ha- like it's ten times as a hundred times as it's <laughs> it's it's about seven hundred fifty million dollars. Okay, so it's yeah, grown it's grown tremendously. It's grown, yeah. And and the headquarters is based in Stanford, Connecticut. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and to remain there. Sorry, all yes. these. Okay, yeah. And so basically, my job now is completely different because of the way communications has changed. If you just look at the digital aspects of things. Um, You know, I'm also responsible for other categories like market research, which also feeds into all the communications and product development and, um, you know, fuels that for our employees and the people who work on those categories. And then I also am responsible for e-commerce and um, which is another growing um, channel for us. That's a channel that we've just entered into very recently. Okay. Always change is always happening. Yeah, and you, yeah, it's great to work on great projects too. Right. So, so I think people listening to my show are pretty familiar with Cuisinart. But mm-hmm. what? But we should. What are the different categories of products you have, and and that, and uh, it's always developing. There's yes. always new things on yes. the horizon. Exactly. So what's hot now? Right now, <laughs> right now, what's hot are air fryers. Air fryers are yeah. Are, one of the big growing categories in in our industry. The other one are what's referred to categorically as multi-cookers, which can be anything from, you know, in the slow cooking, pressure cooking in that field. Think of it that way. They become very popular. 
Um, our business has changed drastically over the year. You know, we had a few core categories like food processors. Um, you know, we entered into coffee makers when I first started, but now coffee makers is one of our um, biggest categories. Um, obviously, food processors are iconic to our brand. Um, and, you know, we still have a stronghold in that field also. But right now, we also have um, represented in most categories in the kitchen. And also, we do outdoor grilling products, too, through a partnership with a licensor. Yeah. No, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And I love, I mean, your company motto, you have savor the good life. Yes. Is that, when was that introduced? It's introduced a while ago in the 2000s. We had done... I was responsible for doing a repositioning of the brand um, prior to that. The company had more of a manufacturing mentality because that was kind of their core tenant, basically. And so we, I worked on this really big um, market research project to understand every aspect of what our retailers thought of our business, what our consumers thought of our business, you know, how we should be positioning the brand. And at that point, that became our new tagline. And our mission is really to be the catalyst to help consumers have the, the appliances that work great, that enable them to enjoy life at home, savor the good life, and also make make memories because our consumers constantly tell us that, you know, their food processor, they use it to make, you know, grandma's special apple pie, or I always use it for every holiday, and they get very attached to the product emotionally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we constantly get letters from people about how I've had my my food processor for 20 plus years and it's made so many great meals for me and my family and so they're connected to it that way on an emotional level and not just a tactical level yeah no that makes sense when you first started talking about that I was just thinking how people like to gather in the kitchen and it's just a a, can be a that that gathering place and that has those memories in itself but when you're adding that layer of how you're making that recipe you've been making for ever that was passed along from your mother yeah you have that connection yeah and I know like even myself when I I'm the one who does Thanksgiving in my family and you know I have a lot of nieces and nephews and you know they love to take out like I'll make miniature paninis because they're easy to pass around and they'll assemble them and they'll use my griddler to actually cook them and they they love it they love being involved in it too so it's not just you doing it for them it's also them participating with you and making memories with you Right. Yeah. No, that's great. And on that happy note, let's take a little break. Uh, We're going to come back and talk some more with Mary. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Fair Kitchens. The food service industry faces a challenge. More people are eating out, yet restaurants are losing talent. Why is this? Research by Fair Kitchens reveals a serious well-being issue within professional kitchens. 74% of chefs are sleep-deprived to the point of exhaustion. 63% of chefs feel depressed. And more than half feel pushed to the breaking point. This can't be ignored. Fair Kitchens is a movement based on the belief that a positive kitchen culture makes for a healthier business. By taking the pledge to be a Fair Kitchen, they'll provide you with free information, tools, and resources to help you take action towards making your restaurant more stable, productive, and happy. 
which positively affects the guest experience. It's time to act now. Learn about the Fair Kitchens code and join the movement at fairkitchens.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Mary Rogers. She's the Director of Marketing Communications for Cuisinart and Wearing. So kitchen appliances for design for professional and home cooks. What's, I mean, what's, is, uh, you're mostly, you're in the consumer division. Yes. So what, what would you say is one, one kitchen appliance that you'd say every consumer needs to have? I I still think um, a food processor is a kitchen appliance that every consumer needs to have because it enables you to do very complex things really quickly, simply, and very consistently. So, and you can, you can also do so many different things. You can make pizza dough, cookies, you know, dressings. Um, You can even do um, cake batter and you can chop, grind, mince, puree. I mean, it's super versatile. Okay, so everyone needs to get one of those. I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> and also this air fryer. Yeah, that's I would put that one just under the food processor. One of one of my industry friends who posts on on social media uh, things she cooks at home has been talking about the air fryer, and and that was kind of what kind of planted the whatever the seed for me. And I was like, I need to look into this. It's very popular because. Um, I mean, I I have one at home. Obviously, I work for the company, but it's actually become a go-to product for me because it's just myself and my husband. We don't have any children. And um, our format for an air fryer for Cuisinart is an oven and has like seven functions. So you can do lots of different things. And uh, also, it main functions an air fryer. But it's super efficient. It cooks really quickly. It also allows you to make things without adding oil at all. So if you want it to, um, you know, it uses like 98% less oil than you would in, in a deep frying method. And that's the real, one of the real reasons consumers like it is because they love the taste of fried food, but they, we have the, our tagline is all the crunch without the calories. So you get the texture and the taste, um, but you're not actually using a deep fryer to do it. So interesting. Yeah, no, it's... Um yeah, I'm not, I dine out a lot, so I'm not cooking that much at home <laughs> these days, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it because it sounds, yeah, it sounds um, like it's going to create those recipes that are delicious, but a, a little, little better for you. Right. Um, exactly. So, so uh, what do you think, or I was going to say like standing, like you're standing out from the competition, like what is it that Cuisinart does with your, your, your products or your the whole company motto that that makes you stand out from everyone else well i think it's our some of it's our processes which uh-huh. you know the way that we go about understanding consumer needs um you know we have a big focus on market research so for instance like when we worked on the air fryer it was a category we'd never been in before so we did extensive research on the category consumers wants and needs we also tested advertising with them and then we also put, you know, a decent investment in our campaigning for those products. And that's where our, we stand out from our competition in, in the industry is because um, many, many of our 
several of our comp- competitors don't actually invest that significantly in the mm-hmm. actual marketing aspect of the product. Some do, some don't. More do now than they had in the past 10 years. But I think that the way we go about understanding what the consumer wants and speaking to them in the right way what is what motivates them um, and serving them what, 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 yeah. their need, what their needs are. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was on your website, and you have so many recipes, yes. too, that you're providing people. Yes. Um, and I'm, I, I, well, you could, uh, I, I think it goes hand in hand with probably developing the product and, and, and also letting people know what the use is for this. Right. It's, and right. it's smart. Yeah, so we have our own test kitchen um, yeah. that we have three people who work on our test kitchen, and they, they not only develop recipes, like most test kitchens do, mm-hmm. but they test all of our products through the development process, and then they develop the recipes, but they also spend a lot of time um, understanding and um, testing competitor products. So um, uh-huh. that's yeah. something that a lot of companies don't necessarily have that in-house or at their fingertips. And we also use them for many other things. I don't want to just make it that, but like, for instance... We do um, we do a lot of recipe videos. We develop a lot of recipes, not just the ones. For every product we make, we have an instruction manual, and there are significant amounts of recipes in there for consumers to, you know, in you know try out, test, you know, play with. Um, and they're you know they're done specifically for those products and to get the best results. But they also work on a lot of other things for us, like, you know, if we come up with um, ideas for recipes that they haven't done that are trending in social media, we'll have them develop the recipes and then we'll, we'll do recipe videos related to that. So we use them for some other things, too, um, not just stealth testing. Yeah, no, that's smart. I mean, and I have to say, I mean, Chris and I, like the brand itself, it's just... I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think everyone I know is. It's just such a solid... Uh, company it's been around for so long and you know you can rely on the rely on the products and the fact that you are providing all this for consumers to make their life easier and delicious recipes and and all that is you know it's like an added bonus exactly yeah we we try to do a really good job servicing our our customer customers um, expectations have changed dramatically over the years you know um, now with um, social media Mm -hmm. and you know we've also gotten much more involved in social um, customer service where our customer service teams are answering um, customer service inquiries right through our social channels which is something we started doing um, about I want to say six eight months ago pretty pretty heavily um, because we've done a lot of reorganizing in our customer service aspect of our business which I'm involved in but from the brand perspective. Right. So this is this is consumers who are might be asking you questions on Instagram or yeah, through mm-hmm. Twitter and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, the yeah. whole uh, social media has changed everything. Yeah, and they <laughs> and they wanted live chat, you know, and mm-hmm. so we're also working on some things in that area with our regular customer service, um, because that's what that's what consumers want, and you you know if you want to continue to be valuable to them, you need to also serve their needs as they want them. Right. Oh, so I'm thinking and also adding maybe fun, bright colors to all your appliances or yeah, things. Yeah, that's <laughs> very popular. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, why not, yeah. you know, create a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what, what do you, what, what do you love most about what you do and what would you say are the biggest challenges? Okay. So what I love most about what I do, I would say what I love most about 
what I do is is still, even though I've been with the company for so long, I'm still learning and growing and also teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm also teaching my team, you know, how to be good leaders, how to be effective employees, how to be successful inside the organization and how to develop themselves for the future, basically. That's some of the stuff that I really like about what I do. It's not just about like the big projects, but it's about also letting them own their role in the company. Um, My motto is like, I don't micromanage people because I have enough on my plate. Right, right. And so if you're building out a team and you want them to be happy, you have to let them own it, let them feel the freedom to speak up, let them feel that they're contributing, but then also celebrate their wins. You know, let them be the one that owns the win. I don't need to own the win. Yeah, no, that's smart. And challenges? Is there anything? Lots of challenges. I would say some of the biggest challenges over the last, um, I would say most recently over the last year and a half, is that we have made a discerned choice to... um, work more strategically in every channel in marketing that we're in. So we've made a lot of agency changes over the last two years, and we are now working with more strategic partners in very specific channels. So it, it makes us have to deal with more agencies, but we're also setting the company up for success in the future. Yeah. Um, and I wanted, I want to talk a, a bit about host coming up, host summit and social, yes. which is a hospitality conference that we're doing on January 27th at the William Vale. And it's based or inspired by this show and uh, Cuisinart and you guys are a, a partner of yes, ours, which exactly. I'm, I'm thrilled about. And I was, you know, I don't know, I mean, are, are doing, doing events, a, a large part of, of what, you, what you, you've been doing over the years. And um, yeah, so, so w- our, my perspective on events has changed dramatically over the years. In the very early days, we were doing a lot of consumer-facing large food events. And we found them to be very difficult to, one, navigate. You know, when you have appliances, it's like a whole other level of, you know, you're out in a vineyard and you need electricity. You know, it's like... <laughs> Challenges. And then you get there, uh, yeah. no matter how many times you say, I need X amount of electricity, I need X amount of electricity. You know, you get there, there's no electricity. And it's like, everything's, a, a, you know, core to that, basically. So, and then the, the thing that we found, too, is a lot of times with those big events like that, consumers, you know, often they pay a, a decent amount to be at the event. And sometimes their perspective is they're just there for the food and the wine and the drinks. And so sometimes they're not focused and you don't, and so crowded that you don't really have time to connect with the consumers. So we kind of got away from that and started to smaller, more intimate, very focused and more what we considered to be thought leadership type events, smaller, um, more meaningful that also positions Cuisinart as a leader in the industry also. And so we've moved away from like the big things to more small specialized um and very focused events yeah well that i mean makes sense to me and just hearing your description and all that I'm, I'm i'm really thrilled that that cuisinart is involved in in host and that uh, i believe what uh one component is we have Haley meyer 
from Cafe Pana, uh, her new fabulous ice cream. I was there like two weeks ago. I went, took my husband because we travel on our stomachs. But um, yeah, Yeah. it was really delicious. Yeah, I've been once and I want to go back and try her. I didn't, I just had some, um, some, scoops but i yeah. want to get an affogato and yeah we it, didn't have an affogato either my yeah. husband had a sunday a sunday with um pana on it yeah well i can't well so she's she's going to be at host and and working with i believe your one of your stand mixers to make her pana mm-hmm. and we're gonna have uh, her delicious ice cream and um yeah i'm excited yeah. i'm just yeah the just, lineup looks really great too um, thank you i love the way that you organized it also i think i'm looking forward to it thanks i am too uh this is for people who want more information get some tickets you can go to allintheindustry.com and uh i was i was gonna do this part later but while we're talking about it um we're gonna we're gonna do a little ticket giveaway and uh on social media. Okay. So for listeners out there, if if you're listening um, and would like to attend Host Summit and Social on Monday, January 27th at the William Vale in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, here's what you should do. Go on to your favorite social media platform, either Instagram or Twitter, um, and tag us at all industry in a story. Um, tell us why you want to come. Uh, maybe it's like, like me to get some of this ice cream. Um, it's uh, we have a lot of amazing food and beverage partners. It's going to be a delicious event, and and really, I'm excited about the lineup. It's it's all past guests of my show, including uh, Drew Niporent and Dana Cowan and Rita Jamey. And um, so, tag us in a story or on Instagram. Uh, include at all industry. Include our hashtag host 2020 tell us why you, you want to come and we're going to randomly pick uh three of the tweets or instagram stories and we'll contact you via direct message and let you know um if you if you got some tickets and uh please you need to post your story by sunday january 19th coming up and uh yeah that should be fun so that's great yeah thanks um so again uh tweet instagram and uh on that note, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we'll play my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, the host of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm thrilled to let you know about HOST, Summit Plus Social, a new conference for and about the hospitality industry, taking place Monday, January 27th, 2020 at the William Vale in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York City. Based on my All in the Industry show, HOST, which stands for Hospitality Operations, Services, and Technology, will bring behind-the-scenes talent in hospitality to the forefront in a live format, featuring guests from some of my most popular episodes, including Drew Niporent, Rita Jamey, Crystal Mobiani, JJ Johnson, and Jeff Gordonier. Our event will include intimate panels, one-on-one interviews, industry news discussions, curated lunch conversations, and more. 
Plus, of course, we will have outstanding food and drink throughout the day, including an energizing closing reception. For more information and tickets, please go to allintheindustry.com. And also, please follow us at All Industry on Instagram and Twitter. I hope you will join us in celebrating our dynamic hospitality industry. Many thanks. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Mary Rogers, and it is time for my speed round game. So this is this, a, this is the fun the fun game of the show. Uh, what this is is I'm going to name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Okay. So here we go. I'm ready. Eat in or eat out. Oh, I love to try new restaurants. Okay. Me too. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Your wine. (laughs) Wine lady. Wine, unless it's a really well-made Negroni. Ah, interesting. Or an Aperol spritz. Oh, we're very specific. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, no, I love this game because it's always different. How about tasting menu or a la carte? Mm, Tasting. Small plates or large plates? I, I have a whole opinion about small plates, which I will should probably keep to myself <laughs> i like i want i need i need the the little cliff the note details. on that okay so i have this thing about small plates because when you go out to we and we just did this very recently my husband and i were in the city with friends and um it just seems like you have to get three or four plates and by the time you end up in the same place everybody gets a little bite but then like feel like it's it, it costs as much as if you had had appetizers and an entree each right. individually, but I know why people like it because they get to try a lot of different things. But if yeah. there's something you really like, you only get one plate. <laughs> right. I'm. I. I mean, in in a sense, I'm thinking it's a bit situational for me because I I do a lot of solo dining and small plates Works. are great for solo diners because right. you, you don't can, have to do the whole. Because if everything's large, you can get one. If right. They're small. You can and get you more. Get to but try a variety of things. That's yeah. a good point. But if you're with if you're with five people and you get one small plate, yeah, I'm like disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. All right. How about a uh, communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Um, I mean, I believe in the pooled, pooled tipping piece. I feel everybody's in the game together. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, I don't really have a strong opinion either way because I feel I give a fair tip. Okay. So I don't feel I don't feel like you know because they put a certain tip rate on there I would have given more than that anyway. So for Got me it. I don't feel um, confined by it. Okay, I have one for air fryer or juicer. Air fryer. <laughs> and what about pet photo contest or cook and shoot recipe photo contest? <laughs> hmm. I would. I'm all for the cook and shoot. And I don't know. I'm all for the pet one. The pet I don't one know. Is very popular. I don't know what to tell you. This is true. Well, People I saw are... these on your site. Yeah, I was like that's I kind know. of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure you have new contests all the yeah, time. We try to mix it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Mm, cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Hmm. That's tough right now. There's a lot of great things going on in, in Brooklyn. 
I split my split my time between the two. Yeah. Okay. So you're calling it a tie. Yeah. Great. That's the game. Great. It's fun. <laughs> it was fun. Okay. So I was a little nervous, but <laughs> no, no, you, 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 excellent. You, you win. Everyone, <laughs> everyone wins. I just find I find it interesting to hear. You know, sometimes people get stuck on certain things, uh, but yeah, it's fun to hear responses. Okay, so industry news, there was there was a big, it wasn't even an article, several articles on Eater New York that came out a few days ago. Uh, they called it the power issue. And uh, I, I've been reading through them. There's a lot of, a lot of great content. Uh, the article I picked out of that was called Meet the Underground Power Brokers of New York City Dining Restaurant Consultants. From multi-million dollar deal making to recruiting candidates for the food world's top jobs, these are the behind the scenes players who distribute power itself in the dining scene. And this was by Erica Adams. So what, I mean, there was, it was a few people in there like Stephen Kamali is big part of this article talked about, and he was actually my episode one guest on my show, um, and uh, Keith Durst was mentioned in it. And one thing interesting, this is at our host conference, we're doing a panel called Making of the Deal, which is very similar to this article of talking about, you know, who these deal makers are, these brokers behind the scenes with restaurants and making the deal. So um, I was very intrigued by it. I did not read that article, though okay. I do follow Eater very yeah. closely. I do read a lot of their stuff. Um, I honestly very intrigued by that, but... Not something I was I would think about to be honestly like that behind the scenes like deal making. I know it goes on in certain yeah. areas like you know in Vegas, for instance, with the way the restaurant scene is there, with the way um, chefs are contracted, and it is more about deal making than and and having a presence there. Um, but it's not something I would have thought of to be honest with you. Well, it's not something that really has been talked about that much. I mean, it's interesting that this article came out with this and that at the conference I'm doing, we're talking about it because usually these people, they don't, they're not the ones you read about. They're not the I, front people. Right. I find it's, it's if, you know, someone I might know who's one of these deal makers, maybe as their friend might hear about something they're working on. And then I'll read a story in the New York Times saying, this hotel brought in this restaurant group and then my own inside knowledge, I'm like, oh, that's because of so and so made that deal. But the they're they're usually not written about. No. They're, they are completely behind the scenes. Right. Um, so it's it is interesting that this story came out and that people we are talking about it now. Right. And I guess the other reason that they're probably not talked about too is that the restaurant and whomever the restaurant group or hotel mm -hmm. because you know that's such a big trend right now they probably want the focus to be on them and not necessarily on the deal right. maker either because well it's because that work's been done at that point and and it's it's similar in a sense to an agent or even a publicist like typically as a PR person uh, our job is to we're getting press about about our clients and we're not really we're the behind the scenes people I mean you see sometimes articles where it says so and so the the spokesperson or the publicist, but a lot of right. times there isn't that information. So yeah. it's similar. That's interesting. Yeah. And and actually in this power issue, there was a there was a, one of the pieces was all about PR. And it was a really good read. And it was talking about whether, you know, the changes in, in PR and social media and the industry and whether people do need to 
or if if PR is a piece of the puzzle when you're opening a restaurant or business that you need to have or you don't need to have. And uh, it was it was as I said a good read and different perspectives. Um, but I but I also think, on the other hand, though with all of the, the so many more celebrity chefs and and you know key players in the industry, PR has become extremely important to them. And if you talk to chefs, it also drives business to their restaurants by keeping them out in the public. So I think it's, I think it's actually become more important. I'll take it. <laughs> I do. And I, the- I think it, I, I think it's important. It has its place. And um, I don't think, I don't see it. I don't see, see PR or going away. I think it's changing though, you know, it's changed like everything. Yeah. It's changed dramatically and you cannot be a Trish. You can't just be a traditional PR agency Mm -hmm. now because your clients needs are different. We see that in, you know, we've seen that in our own business that it's so much more encompassing and you can't, you know, you can't just be reliant on, on tactics and strategies from the past. You have to have all of this interlinked so that it's very consistent and the brand message is consistent and you know what you're going what you're accomplishing is more consistent it's also better to have certain aspects with one agency at that point because it's more fluid yes and i agree with all that and as you said before with the answering consumer questions on social media like things are changing and all of this it all ties together with marketing and pr and your brand and the success of a company. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I, I give kudos to Eater on this on this piece. It's a, there's a lot of good material out there if you want to read it. Uh, it's a, I think it's worth checking out because uh, there was like six or seven articles all oh, under how power. I missed that because I read all their stuff. But. It came out. Well, it came out. I think it came out on Monday. But it's oh, you know, okay. it hasn't. It's still up there and it's it's still fresh and new. Okay, so we're going to take one more break, and we'll come back, and we'll do my solo dining experience, and we'll have the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Bread and Salt. Here's the rundown. The location, 43 Palisade Avenue, Jersey City, New Jersey. The concept, casual place from an acclaimed baked, from, for, from an acclaimed baker for Italian breads, pizza, and sandwiches. The chef and owner is Rick Easton, who previously had bread and salt in Pittsburgh uh, in 2015. So why did I go? Because this new pizza shop has been on basically every best of 2019 list in New York City, talking about their pizza. 
So my experience. So over the holiday break, I took an adventure to Jersey City. So I went down to Port Authority. I got on the 123 bus that took me to Palisade Avenue because I, 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 from my research, that looked like the best way to get out there on public transportation. And it was. It dropped me off right in front. Um, I, I was there a bit early. I went to a coffee shop uh, and, and, and waited until they opened. They opened at 530. And once they did, about 15 minutes before, people started to line up. And I was in that line. Um, I got in, ordered at the counter, uh, people grabbed tables right away. So I had a standing table for my meal. It was quite, quite a family scene and a lot, a lot of eager people to be there because this place has received a lot of amazing press. So, um, I ate, I actually, I said hi to Rick who I'd met before, um, through a food writer friend. He was behind the counter and, uh, and yeah, I'll tell you what I got. So I went ahead and ordered the Rosa slice, the margarita slice, and I had a slice of bread and butter with Bortaga and a pumpkin vegetable dish. So yes, it was a lot of carbs. I threw in my vegetable in there. Um, and I also got a to-go box because I was figuring it was going to be a lot. Um, I wanted to get the meatballs, but they didn't have them. They have a rotating list of things that are kind of flying out um, at random at random part, uh, random times during the evening. They're only open in the evening, but I definitely knew I wanted to get the slices, so I was glad they came out hot and fresh. So my take, they were delicious. I mean, fabulous. Really perfectly uh, thin, sliced, crispy crust, fabulous sauce. I could see why it's gotten a lot of accolades. Uh, the bread was really fresh, and the pumpkin, I love that too. And I, I ate a lot of it. I had a little leftovers to go that I took, um, and I got grabbed on jumped on the bus and went back to the city. So the ambiance, it's a casual place. They have uh, tables for sitting and standing and some counter seats. I'd say it's perfect for an informal meal with friends. Interesting tidbit, bread and salt is a Pete Wells New York Times critics pick and it received two stars in an October review. Personal fun fact, if you recall back on episode 178, I did this solo adventure. Again, I went out to Jersey City and I went to a pizza place called Raza, which the New York Times gave three stars uh, to about a year or so ago. And this is more of a sit-down, full-pie pizza place. So its style is a bit different than bread and salt, which is more slight. It's known for slices. Um, but Jersey has a lot of great pizza. Okay, so the cost of my meal was $19. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. I'd certainly like to try more things that are coming out of the kitchen. And for an Instagram, you can check them out at Bread and Salt Bakery. So there you go. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have. Have you been? No, I have not, but it's on my list. Yeah. I have a it, long list. <laughs> it, it was on my list, and I said over the holidays, I was like, you're going to go on a mission because it was a, it was a mission. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get out there to try the pizza and it's fabulous you know I, I think so, yeah this was one of those moments in living in New York where was, yeah if I had a car it would be I'd probably go out there more but yeah. I'm happy for them and it's yeah it's great yeah I've read about them a lot yeah yeah well good well deserved press delicious pizza so congrats okay time for the final question my next guest is Lori Balter. She is the CEO of Balter Sales Company, importers and distributors of glassware, silverware, and dinnerware since 1935. So, Mary, what would you like to ask Lori? Hmm. That's a very competitive space. 
the tableware business. I would think I would kind of think the same about you, but yeah, I I don't know. Well, I I think it's also, you know, um, because of the fact that it's so fashion focused and also the way tableware has changed dramatically in, in the commercial setting, um, because of the way it's, it's, uh, I would ask her, how have they, how have they kept their business fresh because of the trends that have changed so dramatically in, in the service industry? Because, you know, it used Mm -hmm. to be very focused on high end and it's kind of become more and more and more casual. Yeah, it's a great question. I was, I've been to now they have a, their, um, their, uh, store is on the Bowery and they've been, I mean, the changes in the Bowery yeah, since exactly. they've been there, it's, it's, she has probably a lot of stories to tell. Exactly. Um, but I will find out. Great. And that's the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Thank you. I, I loved chatting with you, hearing about your story and, I, I'm super excited about our partnership and that and and everything to come. I really appreciate your support Same. and I can't wait to check out Air Fryers. <laughs> I can't wait to check out the Host Summit. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, my guest today has been Mary Rogers. She's the Director of Marketing Communications for Cuisinart and Wearing. Their websites are Cuisinart.com and WearingCommercialProducts.com and on social at Mary Rogers, at Cuisinart, and at Wearing Commercial. You can follow me also on social at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Websites BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, Just for anyone that was closely paying attention and uh, my guest uh, for today, we had uh, originally when we, in December, made an announcement it was going to be Melissa Ben Isha from uh, Baked by Melissa. We are going to reschedule that and have her, I think we're going to do it in April, so you can stay tuned for that. And... um, Thanks again to Mary and thanks to the Magrino team and just everyone, everyone who's, who's helped me put this show together, including my fabulous engineer, Amanda. Um, I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another live show. And also tomorrow, January 16th at 5 p.m., tune into Heritage Radio because I'm going to be a guest on the Happy Hour show here. And I'm really excited they're having me. And I get, they get to turn the mics on me and ask me all the questions. So so if you want you want to, you want to hear more about that, and it's a happy hour show, so you know it's going to be fun. Um, so stay tuned. And uh, thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. 
It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.